Well, are you ready to get into the teaching of God's Word? Praise God. You know, Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And the reason why faith is so important is because Hebrews eleven six 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if you want to have faith in what God said, you're going to have to hear what God said. Amen. And then Hebrews eleven six. the reason why faith is so important is because without it, it's impossible to please God. How many want to please God? You know, I want to please God. But did you know that your faith is the only thing that can possibly please God? Because without it, it's impossible to please Him. So God is pleased when we believe Him. Now, let me, let me explain something to you on this because to please God, this is not something that He is, He's not being stubborn. He's not saying, okay, until you believe me, I refuse to bless you. He's not angry, you know, He's not crossing His arms and saying, you know, until I see some faith, don't you expect no blessings to come in your life. I refuse to be pleased until I see faith. That's not the attitude that God's having here because let's read the rest of it. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him for he or she that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. There's a place in the Old Testament that says that God actually takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So when it says that it's impossible to please God without faith, this is not God crossing his arms and refusing to reward us, okay? Religion and legalism has tied that meaning into it, but that is not the heart of God when the Holy Spirit inspired the writer of the book of Hebrews to say this. He's not saying God is stubbornly refusing to be pleased until he sees some faith. No, what pleases God is when he is able to reward us. You see, your children just think they get happy when they get blessed by you, but really you're the one who's happy when you're able to bless them. Amen? When for some reason you're not able to bless them, it grieves your heart as a loving father, as a loving mother, it grieves your heart not to be able to bless your children. Maybe you don't have the finances to do something you would want to do for them and your heart aches because you want to be able to reward them. You want to be able to bless them, you know. Or there's other times, finances, it may not be the issue. Maybe it's because they've been disobedient. Come on. It's kind of like Keith said, Dad, but you told me you was going to take me to the arcade. I was like, yeah, but that was before you pulled your sister's hair out. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, don't, don't bring, don't hold, try to hold me to my word when you're not obeying the word I've given you, right? You kind of like, you're the one who forfeited that, buddy, not me. You know, let me see you make it right between you and your sister. Come on. And then we'll talk about the arcade, right? Well, I think God's looking at us. And he sees how we treat our sisters in Christ, our brothers in Christ. And we're all trying to quote the word and God, you said, and how come this isn't happening? And how come that ain't happening? And you said, you said, and, and he's this thing. Well, you know, you've been pulling your sister's hair out. <laughs> come on. Amen. I remember Brother Hagen, you know, he, my wife and I, we really follow his teachings very closely. He, his ministry has been a tremendous blessing to our family. 
And uh, Kathy had the privilege and honor of, of, of graduating Rama Bible Training Center and going to school there. And Brother Hagen, he used to pastor. He pastored for 12 years. And the Lord told him to go in onto the field ministry and preach in different churches. Well, at this time, that church was prospering better than it had ever prospered in the history of the church. He lived in the best parsonage. He pastored actually six churches in that 12-year period. And all the other churches he pastored, he never lived in a nicer parsonage. And he said that, that the, the church members, you know, it was a small church, but the church members were faithful to church and to God, and they loved them as their pastors. On occasion, they would buy him a new suit. Uh, the church would pay for him to go to his conferences and different things that he needed to go and get refreshed and tanked up and, you know, fellowship with other ministers. And, and so when the Lord told him to go on the field ministry, that was not really what he was going for. You know what I mean? I mean, he's just like, hey, you know, we got it made right here, man. We're blessed. I mean, uh, we've never had it so good pastoring. But God said, I've never called you to pastor. He said, I've been preparing you. And he said, uh, in fact, about a year after he went into the field ministry and began to preach in different churches, he was in prayer and the Lord spoke to him. And that's when he told him, he said, I never called you to pastor. Brother Hagin said that it just floored him because he said, now I've been in ministry for like 14 years. And he said, I'm just now entering into my first phase of ministry. God said, you're just now, when you left your last churches, when you entered into the first phase of your ministry. Really encouraging, huh? <laughs> you know, and, and he said, I never called you to pastor. He said, all those years I was preparing you for the work that I've called you to do. Amen. And so can you see how many times you may not be called to pastor or to be in full-time ministry, so to speak, like Brother Hagin was, but whatever it is that God's doing in our life, it's not going to happen overnight. That there's many things that he needs to prepare us for and get us ready for so that we can qualify for that place that he has us. For, amen. And so, um, you know, like I said, there is no problem with God getting you to the physical location that he put in your heart, but there has to be that process so that you can develop and become the person you need to be so that you can function in that place that he's called you to be. And that's what takes years and that's what takes time, but you just got to be faithful. Say faithful. Amen. There would be no need for faithfulness if everything was lickety split and overnight. No need for faithfulness. Because it was all right now, there would be no need to, there, even if you were faithful, you could never prove it if it happened overnight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, so when God sees faithfulness, that's where promotion comes from, amen? But uh, God told him, he said, uh, uh, I never called you to pastor. I was preparing you. I was getting you ready for the work that I've called you to do. And see, he had it so good in that church, right? He did not want to leave. But out of obedience. So say obedience. Out of obedience, he left his church, took his family, and went on the field ministry. Began to preach in little churches. And after about a year, he said they were struggling financially and they were behind on their bills. And on a normal basis, he wasn't even able to feed his children a decent meal. And he was making much less money, bringing in much less money for his family. And then he was having to pay for his own conferences and travel and fuel and still having to do that and bringing in less finances at the same time. And so he, he said, I had to have a talk with the Lord. And he fasted for two or three days and was seeking the Lord. And, you know, he was coming to the Lord with, uh, where is it at in Isaiah 119, where, it, where God says, um, the willing and obedient 
shall eat the good of the land. See, he said, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Say the good of the land. One translation says, the best the land can yield. Another translation says, you'll eat the cream of the crop. I mean, the top choice, praise God. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And God says, remind me of my word, right? Put me in remembrance of my word. So Brother Hagin is telling the Lord, Lord, you told me to leave my church. I left my church. I obeyed you. I went out on the field ministry. And he said, and your word says the willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. He said, but Lord, I am not eating the good of the land. This is not eating the good of the land. And he kept on bringing that to the Lord. And after about the third day, the Lord finally spoke on the inside of his heart. And he said, you were obedient, but you weren't willing. (laughs) Have you ever told your kids to take out the trash? They was obedient, but you could tell by their posture, they were not willing. (laughs) Turn that game off and go load the dishes. (laughs) First world problems. (laughs) load the dishes but <laughs> they, they, they might have been obedient because they didn't want the consequence but they didn't have the willingness to go along with that obedience see God's not just looking at you performing the function and, and performing the duty he wants to see your attitude he wants to see that you have a good attitude when you're doing it amen say willing willing, willing see is not an outward act willingness is of the heart Amen. Man, people would be just more inclined to bless you if they could just see that you were willing to help, willing to serve, willing to be a blessing. It would make them go out of their way to bless you if they could just detect a willing spirit, a willing heart. Amen. Now, we don't do those things so that people will do things for us, right? But we do those things as unto the Lord and he sees even when people don't see and he'll speak to people that don't even know your name and tell them to bless you because he saw your faithfulness. Even if the people he speaks to to give to you don't even know who you are. That's how God will move. Amen. So the Lord told Brother Hagin, you see, don't ever think you're going to win when you talk to God like this. (laughs) He doesn't mind you talking to him, but just know that he knows something you don't. And when you go in thinking you're going to let him know about something, no, he's going to let you know about something. (laughs) Brother Hagin said, I was obedient. I did exactly what you said. And you said the willing and obedient. He he was only focusing on the obedient part. But there's two things there, willing and obedient. In other words, it's possible for me to be obedient and not be willing. Okay, so I can be obedient and still not be willing. Well, I just, I got to obey God. That's what they told me to do. Did you know that Jesus said, everything you do, you do it as unto me. That means in the workplace, your willingness or unwillingness is your attitude to the Lord. Ouch. Say amen or oh me or both. <laughs> amen. Your, your attitude towards your employer yeah, but you don't know how mean they are. I don't care. Jesus said don't do it for them. If, if you're not doing it for them, then it doesn't matter how mean they are, does it? You're doing it as unto the Lord. Ooh, I know, I know. I'm not preaching at nobody. I'm preaching at myself. You know, they say if, you, if I'm pointing one finger at you, I got, I got three, at least three pointing back at me. Anyway, so he said 
He said, Lord, I've been obedient. I did exactly what you said, and we don't even have food to feed our kids. Uh, and we're behind on our bills. He said his car was just falling apart. I mean, he said the tires on that car were so bad you could hear it flapping, you know, on the road. And, and, and he would drive in all, I'm talking clear across the country, and be gone all the time from his family. And uh, he said, Lord, he said, we're not eating the good of the land, but I did what you said. And the Lord said, you were obedient, but you were not willing. And it just said like the Lord, it was like the Lord just hit him right in the gut, you know. <laughs> He's like, ooh, he said, and don't you think it takes long to get willing? He said, I got willing right then and there. It's a decision you make in your heart. Just a slight adjustment in your heart. You say, you know what, Lord? See, um, making those adjustments, it, it can be done very quickly. I didn't say it was easy. Not easily, but quickly. Because it, ta- it takes humility. Because a prideful person will want to argue with the Lord and say, well, no, Lord, I am too willing. Now, listen, if the Lord says you're not willing, do not tell him you are. (laughs) I said, if the Lord tells you you're not willing, and that's been the holdup for your blessing, and that's what's been blocking your breakthroughs and your increase, and and he says it's because you haven't been willing, don't argue with him. Even if you don't understand at the moment, you say, yes, Lord, if you say I haven't been willing, then... You might have thought you were willing until he told you you weren't. But you just say, okay, you say I wasn't willing, then I wasn't willing. Now, please show me how I wasn't willing. But pride says, I was too willing just because you thought you were willing. But if the Lord says you weren't willing, even if you don't understand why you were not willing, you just say, okay, Lord, I thought I was, but evidently I was wrong. Show me where I was unwilling. See the humility in that? Boom, boom. And you wonder why it takes God so, sometimes so long to answer your questions. It's because we don't humbly receive or want to hear the answers many times. Because when God solves your problem, usually he doesn't tell you what's wrong with someone else. God told Pastor Mark Hankins one time, he said, I never said that you could control anyone else, but I would appreciate it if you would control yourself. (laughs) I never told you you could control anyone else, but I would appreciate it if you would control yourself. So when you ask God for an answer, he usually doesn't talk to you about what someone else is doing or not doing that's been holding it up because we think people are the problem. But God has ways of getting his blessing and his reward to us with or without other people's compliance or cooperation. He can get it to you. Believe me, he can get it to you in supernatural, miraculous ways. Now, I'm not advocating this, but I heard one preacher say one time, God can supply your need and bring food on your table, even if he has to make your neighbor's chicken jump over in your backyard and commit suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Now, good luck convincing uh, the authorities that that's how it all went down. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, and just God has a way of doing it. And don't tell me he can't, because I could tell you story after story where he has provided for me like that in crazy ways. Crazy ways. Do you remember 
Well, we were reading out of, uh, we were talking about Malachi 3, it was a couple weeks ago, Malachi 3.10, where God says, bring all your tithes and your offerings into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, and see if I won't open up to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's a big blessing, isn't it? But he says, if you will bring your tithe to the storehouse, that's the local church, the place you call your home church, where you're fed the meat of God's word. He says, if you'll bring your tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up to you the windows of heaven. Listen, God never pours anything out of the windows of heaven that he could have given to you from the earth. If it's available on the earth, it's not coming out of those windows. God does not do things in heaven that could be done on earth. Anytime something comes out of heaven, it's because it's impossible for it to ever be produced on the earth. So we're talking about God doing something for you that people can't do for you. We're talking about God doing something for you that even money can't do for you. What God is bringing out of those windows is something that is completely and entirely unearthly. It's coming out of the windows of heaven. That's the reason why when God blesses you, it'll never be how you thought he was going to do it. You could have never figured that he would do it that way. When God moves on your behalf, you'll say, I knew God was good. I just didn't know he was that good. That's what you will say when God pours his blessing out of the windows of heaven. I'm going to say that again. If God brings something out of heaven to you on the earth, it's because it's impossible for it to ever be produced on the earth. God is wanting to do unearthly things for you. Amen. Have you ever heard somebody say when they saw something, you know, that surprised them or shocked them, they say, what on earth is this? Or how on God's green earth could this have happened? Well, it couldn't happen on God's green earth. It came out of heaven. Amen. Praise God. When things happen that cause you to say, how on God's green earth could this happen? It's because what happened didn't happen on the earth. It happened in heaven and was released on the earth. Amen. That's what God wants to do for you. Praise God. Amen. So when God says in Isaiah 119, if, he says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. In other words, God is going to cause a produce and a harvest come into your life that could never even be produced on earth itself under the best atmosphere and circumstances that there could possibly be produced on the earth. God will cause a harvest to come to you that will only be described as heavenly. Amen. Ephesians 1.3 calls it heavenly places. A heavenly place is not heaven a heavenly place is a place like heaven you remember we talked about that when God puts you in heavenly places that's right here on the earth heaven is not a heavenly place heaven is heaven a heavenly place is a place like heaven and that's what God wants to do for you how does he do it for you Hebrews eleven six. but without faith it's impossible to please him for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Say God is my rewarder. God is my rewarder. Amen. And when God rewards you it comes out of the windows of heaven. That's what faith will do for you. And so 
when we don't exercise faith, which is the only thing that pleases God, it's not God's refusal to be pleased. He's not crossing his arms and saying, well, if you expect to be blessed, I'm going to have to see some faith. That's not what God's saying. That's what religion teaches. That's what legalism teaches. God is always wanting to bless us. Listen, even when my son Keith or my daughter Caitlin, whenever I'm not able to bless them or fulfill my word to them because of their disobedience, that doesn't make me happy. I'm not pleased. And the reason I'm not pleased is because I'm not able to express my fatherly heart to my children in that moment. Because if I reward them now, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching them that their behavior is acceptable. Sorry, I made that baby man. <laughs> I'll preach over here for a little bit. So <laughs> tell one of y'all cried, and I'm gonna come back over here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so um, anytime we reward our children when they're in disobedience, we teach that that is acceptable behavior. Even non-verbally, when we reward our children in disobedience, in rebellion, um, we teach that that is acceptable behavior. And so when you apply that into the spirit, that's the reason why sometimes the blessings can be withheld in our lives, not because God is mad at us and refusing to be pleased. The reason why he's not pleased is because he's not able to give to you. Not because your faith didn't please him. He's not like a sadist enjoying our pain. Like, I refuse to be pleased till I see some belief up in here, you know. No, that's just, that's not God. That's the devil. Amen. And so there's been times when maybe we promised them something a week in advance to go and do something fun or whatever. And, and I mean, both of them just do something stupid, you know. It's just like, are you kidding me? You know, when kids do that kind of stupid stuff, because they're kids, you know. Uh, doesn't mean they're bad kids, but to be taught and to be trained, that means there has to be consequence. Hello. And so people that don't believe that God ever brings consequence because he loves us so much, how could he ever bring consequence? Well, try that out on your kids for about three months and see how it goes before you start telling everybody your new revelation of the love of God. (laughs) When in fact, sometimes love is tough love. It means that you're exercising correction and discipline I would rather be blessing my kids, but they're forcing my hand to be corrective now to them and holding back. And I'm, I'm, I didn't withhold my love. In fact, that is another manifestation of my love. You know, Kathy talks about my wife. She talks about how that when she was growing up, that she had friends. Their parents never did care at all what they did. They never kept tabs on them. Their parents never knew whose house or where they were spending the night out. I mean, they didn't care if their kids drank and, and did whatever they wanted to do, you know. Um, but, but Kathy's parents were very strict on her and what she was allowed to do, what she wasn't allowed to do. And with all that so-called freedom that her friends had, they felt safer at Kathy's house with rules. Do you know what kids interpret rules as? As love. As care. Do you know what they interpret no rules as? No care. They want somebody to get them in trouble so they can feel like somebody loves them enough to tell them they're doing something wrong. 
So sometimes the most unloving thing we could do for our children is not correct them. Just go ahead and bless them even though they are disobedient. But the greatest manifestation of love is the willingness to withhold sometimes. Amen. Not forever. Amen. And God never sends you off to your room and tells you to think about that. No, we're going to work this out right now. And then you're going to join the family because you're part of the family. You're not a black sheep outcast, you know, until you grovel. Think about what you did. The only, the only amount of time God wants you to think about what you did is long enough to realize it was wrong and say, I'm sorry. And then he says, let's get back on with the family. Now, there might be, in the natural, there might be grounding. There might be different things, you know what I'm saying? But you're still a part of this family. We're not going to make you eat in the bedroom. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, oh, our parents meant well, didn't they? You know, <laughs> it's like it. <laughs> but um, anyways, um, sometimes parents can only be the parent that they had. You know, and that's why we need a revelation of the heavenly father's love for us. Amen. And so whenever I'm needing to withhold a promised blessing to my children because of their disobedience or failure to obey, you know, I'm displeased because I'm not able to do it for them. Like, oh, man, I want to, man, I love it when I'm able to bless my kids. And, and when, when you get them something and they weren't as excited as you hoped they were, you're like, oh, man, I wanted y'all to be excited about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it's something in a parent's heart is thrilled when they're able to bless their babies. And God put that in us because that's, that's the heart of God. So when it says without faith it's impossible to please him, he's not making that the criteria to be pleased. It's that if we're not walking in faith and obedience to his word, he's not able to reward us, which doesn't bring him pleasure. You see that? Now I've gone a, a long ways around the path to get that point across to you, but I, I want to drive that in so clear to you because we have a God who wants to bless us, who wants to increase us, amen, but he wants us to become what we need to be in the process, in the process of him taking us from where we are to the place that we're going. There's a process involved because there's things about us that need to change. There's character development, Amen. There's maturity that needs to take place. There's mindsets that need change. You know, I'm walking in some things right now that if God hadn't began to work on my mentality for the last 15 years, I would not be able to function where I go now. But back then I would have thought if somebody would have said, do you, got, do you want God to do it for you today or wait 15 years? I would have said, today, hallelujah. I got faith for today. Yeah, but you don't have character <laughs> for today. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to, listen, now I'll, I'll take that back. Let me say it this way. You have the character, I have no doubt you have the character for where you are today. But where God is taking you will require another level of integrity, another level of character that you have not yet developed. So you're great right now. If you want to stay right where you are the rest of your life, you're going to be a great witness for Christ. But how many want to move on up ahead and to greater influence and to greater things, amen? Then it's going to take a process for God to develop that integrity in your heart and to develop that character in your heart that needs to be instilled. And that's going to take some time, amen? So Galatians 6, 9, do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you faint not. Just realize that 
this is a process. It's taking time because God is doing some things in my heart and in my life. Amen? Praise God. Have you been blessed by the word? Amen. Does anybody else have anything to share, a scripture or insight that goes along with any of that? I, I welcome that right now if you do have anything. You do? Yeah, please come on up. Just share what you have on your heart. Um, about like that development that takes place. I think of um, when I was in fifth grade, my teacher had to have everybody put their head down on the desk when I did my book report because I was terrified to tears. I mean, like it was a serious issue to be in front of people and that carried on for quite a while. And then um, through work, I'm a registered nurse and I went from bedside to being a nurse educator where I taught classes and then from there went to where I was presenting information and meetings in front of the VPs and the CEOs, CFOs, all these people um, in the hospital. And it wasn't until that point that I started leading worship at our old church because I was never in a place before where I could have. And it's just been really cool to see how he used those things in the natural, something so practical to get me to a point where I was able to surrender to him because I didn't care. Like, it's not that I don't care about you guys, but that I didn't care (laughs) about what was out here anymore because that's Mm -hmm. not what it was about. But it took um, 31 years for that to happen. That's good. I'm glad you shared that. That, That's really an awesome example because... uh, you know, my own example is uh, right before I came here to pastor this church in April of 2001. This is our 18th year that Kathy and I have been here in post pastoring. But um, right before I came here, I worked at Methodist, which was Covenant when I left, Covenant Hospital. And I worked there for six years. And I came into contact over that six year period. And Chris and Rihanna can vouch for this. I've run into every and any personality that exists on the planet. <laughs> Did I exaggerate that at all? No. <laughs> and then there's like personalities that, that like you would not have ever even thought existed. You know, but uh, I remember I remember one time uh, and, and, you know, I like my job. Mr. Keith knows, too. He worked there. We were friends way back there, you know, and at the hospital. But uh, I remember, I mean, there's been awesome times at the hospital, but then there's been other times where I'm like, God, I'm, I'm ready to get out of this place. Man. <laughs> you know? And it wasn't because I had a bad job. I had a great job, but I had ministry in my heart, you know, and I'm just like, I think I'm ready now, God. I don't know why you don't think I'm ready, but I think I'm ready, you know. But I'm, I mean, looking back now, I'm so thankful he didn't release me when I thought I was ready, you know, uh, because God was getting me used to all kinds of different personalities. <laughs> and so, I mean, if I can't handle different personalities as an employee and I only have to see him for like 10 minutes or 30 minutes max, you know, I mean, how am I going to pastor different personalities? Walk in the love of God towards different personalities, right? Well, I remember one time I was a transportation aide and I was scheduled to pick up a gentleman and take him, I don't know, for a CAT scan or something. And uh, when I got up to the nurse's station, the nurses, I knew all the nurses in the entire hospital really well. And I really loved the holidays because <laughs> they fed me real good all over that hospital, you know. And, but they told me, they said, Joey, they said, you might not want to go in there. He cusses out every nurse that goes in there and tries to help him. 
He's in traction. He's just mad, and you couldn't blame the guy. He's probably one of the greatest guys, but you just get your arm broken four places or whatever. You know what? Let's see how nice you are to people, you know? But so, you know, there's got to be that mercy, and you got to understand, and that just takes the heart of a nurse or, you know, uh, to, to be able to care for people when they're not at their best. But they said, you better watch out. Well, I was ready for a challenge, and I was in a good mood. I said, I can handle this, you know? And, and he, had his, he had his arm do you remember me telling this story, anybody? Anyways, I just walked in there, that room, <laughs> and I said, what happened to you? And he looked at me, kind of taken back, and he said, I broke my arm in four places. I said, well, if I was you, I'd stay out of them four places. <laughs> my first words to the man. I mean, if he would have turned that around on me, I could have really got in trouble, you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's my West Texas, you know, honoriness and... I'm going to get you to like me whether you like me or not. You know? <laughs> and and uh, Chris knows how to do that, I'm sure. So I, I said, well, if I was you, I'd stay out of them places. And he looked at me, and I could tell he didn't know whether to be mad at me or laughing. Finally, he just busted out laughing, laughing, laughing. And uh, the nurses told me, you, you, you may just want to call and have them cancel this because he hasn't gone to any appointment. He says he ain't going nowhere. So I said, I can take care of this guy. You know, I went in there, and instantly... See, because the Lord put the wisdom in me, he, he developed my character, he developed my personality, you know, and so when, when, you know, when you're done with people, God's usually not, but if he can develop those character traits in you that are godly, then he can help you to endure longer, more patiently with people, and not take things personally to realize that there is a whole big world out there besides you. And that when people are mad, even if it's directed at you, it's usually not about you. And if you can grow to that place, you've just grown to the place where the Lord can promote you. Amen. And so maybe you're in that place because he's wanting to take you to another place. Amen. Praise God. So we got to pass some tests. Did you, you, you know, the children of Israel, they encompassed around the wilderness so many times over 40 years because they kept failing tests. They kept failing the same tests that God was trying to put them through so that they could qualify for the promised land. If they couldn't handle wilderness experiences, they would have been squashed by those in Canaan land. They wouldn't have been able to handle the wars that were ahead of them. You think your war is now, you, you really, you ain't even got on war grounds until you've gotten into the promised land. In fact, when the battle gets real hot, when the attacks begin to come against you in your life, that's evidence that you've stepped foot over into Canaan land. Amen. So you just realize, oh, I must be getting where God wants me to be now. But sometimes people did just beat themselves up so bad. What did I do wrong? You know, I must have been disobedient somewhere or this wouldn't be happening to me. But that's the lies of the devil to try to get you to doubt and question your standing with God, your heart towards God. Uh, He'll tell you that that one thing you did is what's caused this problem in your life over here and and what's caused this trouble over there. But all you got to do to clear that up is just say, well, if I done something wrong, I repent. And I trust the Holy Spirit to show me if I have. But he hadn't showed me nothing yet. Until then, I'm just trusting and believing that this attack is coming on me because I'm getting over somewhere the enemy doesn't want me to be. It's so much easier on our flesh and insecurities to believe we've done something wrong. But maybe you're having that trouble because you're doing something right. Amen. Like 
my pastor's wife, Miss Donna, has said before, if you've gone for a long period of time and never had a run-in with the devil, it could be that you just run in the same direction as he is. <laughs> Amen. We don't want to hear that, though. We want things to be nice and easy all the time, but <laughs> it's just the facts of life. Amen. And, and you grow stronger. Brother Hagin said these are the kind of things that'll give you a crowbar for a backbone instead of a cotton string. These kind of troubles, these kind of tests and trials that we face, they'll give you a crowbar for a backbone instead of a cotton string. Amen. They'll make you tough. They'll, they'll make a real man or a real woman out of you. Amen. To be able to face all that would ever rise up against you and to be able to help and love on others who are going through the same things that you've gone through. Amen. Lester Sumrall, the, he's went home to be with the Lord, a great uh, uh, apostle of God. He said, if you never have troubles as a minister, you'll never be able to help other young ministers who are going through the same things. You know, so, you know, and, and if you're not a minister, whatever it is, you're a Christian, you could help other Christians to realize, and you know, you made it through and God taught you a lot of lessons through experience, but there's some things you could tell them now that they don't have to, it doesn't have to take them as long to learn it as it took you. And see, that's what wisdom is. There's two ways you can learn. You can learn through, number one, you can learn through mentors or you can learn through mistakes. Number one, you can learn through mentors or you can learn through mistakes. Now, everybody's going to make mistakes and you're going to learn from them, hopefully. Okay? But the goal is not to be completely mistake taught. <laughs> like, because by the time you finally learn something, you're too old to do anything with it. But if you will listen to someone who's had all the hard knocks, who's made the mistakes, you don't have to make the same mistakes they did. And you're going to make some of your own, but they don't have to be the ones they made. But this younger generation, we think we know more than our elders. We think we know, well, if you would have done it this way, that wouldn't have happened to you. Bless your heart. Like Brother Hagin would say, bless your darling heart and stupid head. <laughs> Amen. So if we could learn to listen to mentors, we would not have to learn through mistakes. But when you ignore wisdom, consequence is your only teacher. When you ignore wisdom, wisdom can come to you in many different ways. It can come directly, of course, through the written word of God. Wisdom can come to you through uh, uh, mentors. It can come through to you through teachers. And wisdom can come to you through mistakes. Okay. But the goal is to learn from wisdom. Because when you ignore wisdom, consequence is your only teacher you have left. There's a lot I could say about that, but it's about time to finish up here. I was planning on beginning a new series on the book of Proverbs, which I think could be cool and fun if we got to it. But the book of Proverbs is a book on wisdom. The purpose that the book of Proverbs was written was so that the young might know wisdom and live with a heavenly advantage in life. And we'll probably just title that this tonight, living with a heavenly advantage. When you're living with a heavenly advantage, that means you've got the windows of heaven opened over your life and blessings are being poured into your life from heaven that could have never been produced for you on the earth. It's no other way to live. Amen.
your guaranteed victory, your guaranteed never to experience defeat, if you'll learn to walk in the wisdom of God. And as you study the Proverbs, you can learn the wisdom of God, what to do, what not to do. You'll learn discretion, you know, and these things are very important for our prosperity and for our increase, but the entire book of Proverbs is written so that the young might know wisdom and live with a heavenly advantage in life. Amen? And so, you know, just as, as a side note, there's only 31 Proverbs and they're fairly short. That means you could go through all of the Proverbs every month. How many know after about three months, you know what you're reading and you know what you're about to be getting into? If you've done it like, you know what I mean? So that's the way that these Proverbs ought to be to us where we know what's coming up because it's just becoming ingrained into our spirit, into our hearts and our minds. And here's the thing is, is that when you focus on something long enough, you become it. Where it's an unconscious effort to adjust your life in the way that you're focusing on. So many times we think that we're limited to our skill level to perform an instruction. But if you just listen to God's instructions, your spirit will be formed and fashioned in a way to where it's getting reprogrammed to put you in the right path and to put you in the right direction. So you're obeying God's word before you even realized it consciously. Just focusing and meditating on the word of God can recalibrate your spirit. It can recalibrate your heart to get you going in the right way. And maybe you've been going the wrong way in a certain area with the right heart. But maybe you've gone the wrong way in a certain area for five years or ten years and you've never been able to get productive results in your life. But if you'll meditate on the word of God, And if you'll pray in the Spirit, God can recalibrate your spirit to get you going in the right way. And whereas all those years you never knew or realized what you were doing wrong or what you needed to change to get a better result, as you meditate in the Word of God, as you pray in the Spirit, all of a sudden the wisdom of God will just come up in your heart and you'll say, now why didn't I think about that? It's because it couldn't have came out of your mind. Where did it come from? It came from God. It came out of heaven. Amen. And when you pray, when you meditate in the word of God, you connect yourself to those open windows of heaven because those open windows are pouring out more than just, you know, natural things. It's pouring out spiritual blessings, revelation knowledge, strength from the Holy Spirit, things that people could never do for you and things that money could never buy for you. Amen. Praise God. Were you blessed by the word?